This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, Media Week's weekly TV podcast. And at last, we're finally getting to Inside Man. I've been teasing this for a few weeks. David Tennant, Stanley Tucci. Um, it's a sort of a BBC British drama, but it's on Netflix here and much of the rest of the world. I think it was a co-production. I've seen all four. I think Andrews has dipped into it, but gee whiz, it blew me away. This is a, a very impressive four-part drama. You know, James, if this hadn't lived up to expectations, I would never have let you live it down. Uh, But, wow, that first episode, I mean, I don't want to give away too many plot spoilers here because, in actual fact, all the times you talked to me about it, all I really got was Stanley Tucci is in jail. So I knew that. Then when it came up on Netflix with the picture of what the show was about, there were these two women there and David Tennant almost in the background. I was like, is that it? And I clicked on it and read the synopsis and went, that doesn't sound like it, but there's Stanley Tucci. Uh, and then I started watching it and, wow, that first episode, that first opening scene on board the train with two women and then we get to the local village where the train's going to and we see that David Tennant is the local vicar but then of course the story's also happening in the US on death row with Stanley Tucci as this criminal or he's a convicted killer but he's wanting to atone for his sins so he's helping various people who have the power and the influence to get into the jail. He's helping them with their cases. And somehow all of these characters are going to come together. And at the end of episode one, I just went, wow, didn't see that coming. Couldn't believe the scenario that it ended up in. So, yeah, I can't wait to watch the next three episodes. It's just four episodes. I'm hanging out for it. Yeah, look, they they just pack so much in. I mean, it's a series produced by uh, Stephen Moffat, um, and I forgot about that opening scene of the in the train. I mean, that in itself is really amazing. Yeah, and um, and how the story unfolds from there. And I've and I mentioned before, this is the most intricately plotted drama I think as I have ever seen because you get to the end of that third episode, and you're thinking. How are they ever going to wind this up in one episode? But they manage to, and they do it very well. I mean, I've come away after watching four episodes, and I'm still unsure of how it all happened, how they all managed to do it. And you really want to watch it again just to sort of have those some of those scenes wash over you again and work out the exact links because I'm sure there's things I overlooked or nuances that you don't pick up because it's all it's all flashing past your eyes as each scene uh, un, unrolls. I mean, I did see some criticism about that last episode. Some people weren't happy with it, but I was I, w- I wouldn't read it because I thought, yeah. no, I don't want any plot spoilers. I, I'm so amazed to come into something without really having any idea of uh, the scenario and just the way that it all came together. I, I, I too am blown away by the intricate scripting of it. And just, you know, just in that first episode where 
you know, Stanley Tucci says he's figured out a crime based on this scant piece of information and his neighbour in the next cell spends the whole episode going, I don't get it, explain it to me. And straight away you're going, well, we're in the hands of a master here in terms of uh, who done it. This one's right out there. Yeah, it's it's just marvellous. Yeah, and there's those, the two elements, there's what happens in the UK, there's what happens in the US, yeah. and that's all sort of centred around um, David Tennant. He plays a, like a, a village vicar. It's simple life, you know. He's happy, he's got a family. Then just a couple of extenuating circumstances, he fi- gets himself in a real pickle. It's just, just, and he just doesn't see a way out of it. Yeah. Now, those two female leads, Lydia West, who is the journalist, she uh, was in It's a Sin, so very well known to me. And I've seen her on many dramas. She seems to be working nonstop. Dolly Wells, the other female lead, I'd not seen her before, but I am interested because uh, I don't know whether you've noticed this, but I've just noticed that Stephen Moffat's real-life son is playing David Tennant's son in this one. Um, So a little bit of nepotism there but you know so far so good yeah and that's um again it won't give away storyline but david tennant's reasoning for what he's done is to try and save his son from impending um what do you call accusations um, yeah trouble that he could get into yeah be, be linked to something so that's sort of what motivates him down the sort of a, a bad path. Um, and as the story unfolds, you you never, I don't think there's ever, you never see David Tennant and Stanley Tucci on screen together except the final episode. I won't really say any more than that. Right. Um, so I might have done that in a previous episode, so I won't, I won't oh. revisit that. But um, so that's just amazing. And they're so good, both those um they really shine in this. It's it's really been made for some great acting and Dolly Wells too. Wow, how good is she? Is oh, that, amazing. Um, amazing. She, she ends up getting caught up in. And I I notice on the Netflix um and they've got some they've done some great branding for this on their website. It's the I just had a quick look today before we came on. It's their sort of the highest profile on their homepage today. Yeah. And the the imaging they've done for it is just fantastic, and Dolly gets third billing on there after Dave after David Tennant and Stanley Tucci. Yeah, um, I think we'll hear a lot more of her. She's she's got a good CV, but never any outstanding lead roles that that um, I'll recall. But I think we'll see a lot more of her. Oh, undoubtedly after this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's um, Inside Man. Look out for it. Um, we, I, you know, I'd, I'd really uh, recommend this goes to a lot of people, and I, I find it hard to imagine this won't be up there amongst my best of the year. Yeah, we're getting close to that too, James. I just looked at the date the other day and went, my goodness, the start of the month. We're uh, so close no. to filling out our best and worst of the year. I've got to get it together too. I've got bits of paper everywhere. <laughs> I've, got, I've got lists on a website, and it's all bits and pieces. I've got to try and pull that together. We've only got four weeks, so yeah. um, let's get into it. Um, there's a couple of things I don't know much about and some I don't want to know much about, but let's go to White Lotus 2. I mean, we both dismissed the first season pretty much. Um, have you have you stuck with season two? 
Look, I've watched the first episode uh, and the continuing plot device is Jennifer Coolidge. I mean, she's so super hot at the moment since she won her Emmy for Best Supporting Actress. And, of course, she's there in The Watcher on Netflix. Um, So she's really in demand now for these TV dramas. So the location has moved from Hawaii to uh, Italy. Um, There's a new resort. It starts the same way. There's a dead body. And then we flash back to a week earlier with all of the guests arriving. The White Lotus is a hotel chain we now see. They have hotels all over the world. So that gives them lots of scopes to go anywhere for the future. And look, people seem to be loving this. I watched the first episode and again, I was like, yeah, look, it feels a bit like an upmarket love boat to me. I don't quite get why people are so obsessed with the writing of this Um, because to me, it's just a bunch of awful, rich, privileged people going on holidays. And it's almost like the audience wants awful things to happen to them because they're getting to stay at five-star resorts when maybe some people can't afford to do that. I don't get the appeal. I am going to keep watching this. I watched all of the first season of uh, The White Lotus that won all those Emmy Awards, and I still don't understand what the attraction was. And this one is so very different with a different theme. This one seems to be a lot more obsessed with sex than the first one. There's a couple of Italian sex workers that are trying to get into the hotel and uh, work work some of the clients and make some money. So, uh, look, I'm cautiously in to see where it's headed. But it's one of those shows I put on in the background, James. I do other things while I'm watching it. Um, I'll watch the – I will pay attention to the second episode. If it doesn't grab me, I'll probably go through to the end but uh, only half watch it. Yeah, the the thing that interests me a little bit about season two, I think it's set in Sicily in the sort of village of – not so – is it Teorama, I think you pronounce it, Teoramina? Um, which I was lucky enough to visit a few years ago. Yep. Spent a week there. It's just a beautiful place. So I'm interested to see that, but the downside is that it'll open up to the world and everyone will want to go there now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, true. Going to become a very popular place. Okay, so White Lotus. Now, something I think we both have seen a little bit of is Abbott Elementary. Yeah. Disney Plus. Now, I think is it sex season two? Season two has dropped on Disney Plus. They have had the first series there. I've pretty much watched all of season one. This is one of these shows, James, I started watching. As soon as Cheryl Lee Ralph won the Emmy this year for her role in it, and she did that incredible acceptance speech, which she started off uh, just by singing live. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? So it inspired me to watch the first episode. I didn't love it. Um, So I put it to the side and then a friend of mine said, no, 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 go back, go back. So I plowed through two and three and then I got the humour of it. So now I've pretty much been watching it nonstop. It's good. You know, we watch so much drama, James. It's good to have a comedy there to watch. And Abbott Elementary is set in a very impoverished, uh, mostly black students, poor neighbourhood. And it's about the teachers uh, who work at the school with a headmistress who just, you know, doesn't care at all. She's totally a narcissist in it just for her. 
her. And then you see the other teachers. Some of them are, you know, very dedicated. Others are there because it's a paycheck. And once you get to know those characters, I think it really starts to punch and starts getting a lot funnier. And it's shot in the style of a mockumentary. There are TV cameras there supposedly filming them for some reality TV series. So you see the actors kind of glancing at the cameras sometime <laughs> and raising an eyebrow. So uh, not a, a very new device, but in terms of American sitcoms, I'd put this as one of the better ones around at the moment. Okay. Now I've only watched that first episode of season two. Now is Cheryl Lee, Cheryl Lee Ralph plays Barbara Howard. Is she the strict teacher who gets all yeah. the students to line up in and they're all very polite and there's no mucking around in her class? Yeah, that's her. She is yeah. old school. Yeah. Um, and uh, the younger uh, teachers sort of look up to her and are desperate for her approval. So she's certainly the one they're looking for rather than the woman who's in charge of the school, the headmistress, who's just hilarious. It's probably not my cup of tea, to be honest. I mean, I enjoyed that episode. Um, it's been compared a little bit to to sort of mockumentary comedies in the US, like the US Office, um, which yes, looks at yes. a, a sort of office supply company, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is sort of a dysfunctional police station. You know, Correct, like, yeah. Um, neither of them have appealed much to me. Um I'm a bit more of a drama guy, but um, but it's very well done, and it's you know you, you can't go wrong if it's a you know if you want to fill up some time. This to me is something I might have on in the background while getting dinner or something as well. Yeah, or something that you watch just before you go to sleep because you've watched <laughs> something extremely gory or dramatic, and you need something light before you go uh, to sleep. Look, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine-Nine and The Office, uh, the kids love those shows. Yes. You know, uh, yes. if you speak to any teenager that isn't watching free-to-air TV, they are streaming uh, reruns of uh, The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine-Nine and Friends. That is right in their target group. So I would imagine the kids are loving Abbott Elementary with the school setting, and, and I think – uh, in years to come, it may well have the appeal of those other ones that they seem to love watching over and over again. I guess in a similar way to uh, the kids of my generation who grew up watching The Brady Bunch and those uh, American sitcoms after school on TV. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'm an old guy and it's uh, not for me. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not offended. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, now there's a couple of sort of factual shows you know a little bit about. I don't. first one is... Coming to Nine, My Mum, Your Dad. Yes. So this was originally working title Growing Up Love, which is not a great title. Look, let's face it, James, romance and dating shows are dime a dozen at the moment. Is there really room for one more? Well, I'm going to say yes, I think there is because this one is just different enough to make it stand out from the pack. And I think it's going to work really well for Nine coming off that huge grand final for The Block. The Block has been killing it in the ratings. No doubt they've been plugging this show to death. So I think there's going to be some audience interest there. So this is about middle-aged people looking for love, which would be a TV concept that no network would be interested in. Uh, except for the fact that the parents are there with their kids. Now, the kids are sort of, you know, 20-somethings. The kids supposedly 
don't know that they're going to be part of the show until they drop the parents off at the property and then are whisked away to a nearby house where they're then told that they're going to be watching all of the action on closed circuit TV and they will then play games and have tasks that will give them the ability to change the game. So those kids then have the ability to send one of the parents home. And of course, they're all watching and hanging off the word of everything that the parents say. You see the kids cringing a bit at uh, the behavior of some of their parents. And the phrase that keeps getting used is, the kids are going to binge on the cringe, James. That's, <laughs> that's the line. And look, Kate Langbrook is hosting it. She has a lot of fun with the format. She doesn't take it too seriously, which I right. think works for uh, a dating show. And yeah. look, I think this one might be a bit of a late year winner for nine. Okay. Okay. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. So I guess that's um, it's coming on after the block. So it's... Um, is it just one night a week? It probably is. It's two nights a week, nights and a week. I've watched the first two episodes. It ends on a huge cliffhanger on night one. And, uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting to uh, – whoever's devised this show has done it very cleverly because uh, by finding a way to get the kids involved in the production of this show, I think it's going to uh, give them the audience they need. The, you know, this might be one that the kids will watch with their parents because sure. it's so about – Finding your mum or dad uh, a partner and what kid doesn't want to have a say in uh, who their stepmother or step new stepfather is going to be. Okay. Okay. Oh, good stuff. Now, the other one is um, our old friend Pamela Anderson, who's got a very, um, very what could I say, a very diverse um, CV of, of stuff she's been in. We all got to know her from Baywatch, of course. Yep. Um, what's that? Now, this one's called Garden of Eden. What's it about? Well, this is uh, this could be a new trend in uh, the reality genre, James. Because I saw, I noticed an ad on TV the other night for Country House Rescue with Shayna Blaze, where she's going to be uh, renovating this old house uh, with her own kids, who I don't think we've ever seen on camera before. So it's a Blaze family affair, and certainly this is what Pamela Anderson's doing. She bought her grandparents' property. It's six acres. It sits on the coast at Vancouver Island. The front of the house seems to back onto quite a busy road, and her grandparents had a little corner shop there where they sold ice creams and things like that. But there's also a boathouse right down on uh, the water's edge, which would uh, not be allowed today. It's literally in the water almost at high tide. Yeah. Uh but this property, she bought it years ago off her grandparents. She has now moved back to Canada full time. So she's decided to do up these houses. And uh, you see her mum and dad. You see her fifth husband, Dan Hayhurst, who uh, is walking around uh, loving the fact that he's getting to be the man and renovating. Um, sad to say, the couple have since split up, so I don't know whether that's going to be acknowledged uh, within Garden of Eden. But look, it's just a very nice, kind, sweet, gentle show. I've always liked Pamela Anderson. I think she's a nice person. I think she's a good person. She's always been involved in some great 
uh, activism. Uh, she wants Julian Assange freed. She's done a lot of work for P- Peter. She loves animals. She's done a lot of work uh, raising money for AIDS. She's a good person. And you see her with her mum and dad. And uh, in the first episode, she wants to create to take the basement from being ugly and scary into a space where she can do laundry. And she keeps going on and on about the fact that she loves to iron and she loves all of this. And so she gets a designer and in they come to create Pamela, the perfect laundry. And at one stage, these workmen do something and and she doesn't really like it, but she goes, oh, yeah, look, it's okay. And then when she leaves, they all have a discussion and say this is part of her problem. She's so nice. She agrees to something because she doesn't want to cause this hard work, but we know she's not happy. So they go back to her and say, are you sure? And Pamela goes, yeah, actually, I I do want you to do it again. So I think it shows her in a really great light. I think it's uh, it's beautiful. Vancouver Island is stunning. Um, And this is interesting, seeing this side of her, and it'll be the first of – we know that Pamela Anderson is working on her own sort of – biography documentary series, which is her answer to Pam and Tommy, the series that uh, has been on Disney, which you and I both watched and and liked, which I also think portrayed Pamela Anderson in a really good light. But I think that she wants to have the final say on this and maybe uh, make a few corrections and, and have it. I like her. I'm going to be watching it. Pamela's Garden of Eden. It's going to be on Arena TV on Foxtel, and I guess you'll probably be able to also watch it on Binge. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, that sounds interesting. That, that, that's probably worth dipping into. The last big show we're going to chat about today is one of my old favourites, back for its final season, season 10. I think there's been 10 seasons of eight episodes. Yep. Launched in the UK a bit over, I think, a month ago. It's up here. It's a really, it's a it's a perfect Saturday night viewing in my book. Perfect. Um, Doc Martin. Yeah. So, uh, look, I've never watched Doc Martin religiously. I've dipped in and out of it. But it is one of those shows that if, you know, you've, you the TV's on and you watch a couple of minutes, you probably end up watching the whole episode. It's, yeah. it's such a beautiful location where they filmed this. It's in uh, Cornwall in a kind of a seaside village there. It's beautiful. The, the tourist trade to that town must be off the map now, right? After 10 years of of Doc Martin, people must just flock to that place to see (laughs) the real-life location, right? Yeah, absolutely. Port Wen is the name of the um, the picturesque village, yeah. Um, So this is the final series, but we are going to get a Christmas special. We'll get the series and then there will be this Christmas special uh, this year that will completely wrap everything up. Yeah. Look, Martin Clunes is Dr. Martin Ellingham, um, who who moved, you know, from the from London for a sort of what he hoped was a quieter life down in Port Wen. And um he's a controversial doctor to say the least. You know, he's not he's not super friendly. His bedside manner is um not great for his patients. Not great. Grumpy yeah. old man. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's very grumpy. And I think <laughs> season nine ended with him getting disbarred. Yeah. Um, he wasn't allowed practice. He says he retired, but the medical authorities say, well, they made him retire. And, that, and um, is that related to the fact that he doesn't like blood? Correct, yes. Yeah, got right. Blood phobia. 
Yeah, um, right. <laughs> that that combined with his grumpiness um, were both worked against him when it came to and and his unwillingness to sort of apologise, be friendly to his superiors that sort of look after the, the sort of um, regulation of the, the medical pra- practitioners in, in that part of... Um, that part of Cornwall. So season now is is married to um, Louisa, played by Caroline Katz. They've yep. now got two children, uh, a new baby. I think it's Mary and James, who's a, a little bit older. We see him sort of grown grown a year or two older in this season. And he's pottering around home. He sort of looks after the kids. He he fixes clocks. <laughs> he, According to his wife, she he rearranges cutlery drawers that don't need doing. <coughs> Basically, he can't bring himself to admit that, look, he wish he was still practising. Right. He's, he's too stubborn to sort of go and apologise to the authorities and ask if they could reconsider a, an application to let him practise again. So that plays out in the, the first episode of the new season. So this is going to win its time slot. When oh, it screens yeah. on Saturday night on the ABC, isn't it? Yeah. I, was, I was really pleased to see um, that we talked last week about Mark Fennell's Stuff the British yeah. Stole and Magda Jabansky's Big National Health Check. Both those shows won their time slots on Tuesday night for the ABC. What a great result. Uh, and, yeah, this is – I looked at that and just went, well, the next night that uh, – the next show that – ABC will really kill it, will be uh, the debut of Doc Martin. The fans will be lining up to watch this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, great supporting cast in Doc Martin. Ian McNeese plays Bert Large, his son, Joel Absalom, Al Large. There are a couple of sort of people always on the fringe. They're always looking to, for the next investment to do. Well, they had the local, <laughs> yeah. they had, I think they started off running a restaurant which was always on the edge financially, never did that well. Um, they went into the local pub, again, had their challenges there. This series are involved in a, a local caravan park. So they get into that in that first episode, so we'll see that play out. Um, a special mention to uh, the character of Ruth, who I think is Martin's auntie in the show. Yes. Um, Dame Eileen Atkins. Wonderful actress. Plays the character of Ruth. And a lot of people might remember her from, oh, what was the um, Nothing Like a Dame, the the 2018 documentary. Oh, Tea with the Dames. Was it? Wasn't it? It was Tea with the Dames in the States, I think. Oh, yeah, right. Nothing Like a Dame in the UK. It might have even been Tea with the Dames here too, maybe. Yeah, I think it was here. It was a film I had in the cinema, yeah. But um, but Eileen Atkins, Judy Dench, Joan Plainwright, and Maggie Smith. It was sort of a career retrospective, and it also interviewed them chatting with each other in the current. Yes, day. yes, yeah. So she's just wonderful in that, and it's all the actings of that class. I just just a classy little production. Um, it's an easy watch. It's never going to stretch your imagination, and it's it's not an intricate plot. You're going to have to follow. But it's just no, enjoyable. As I say, it's a great chill-out Saturday night piece of viewing. Perfect Saturday night entertainment. And isn't it amazing, too, that Doc Martin has been remade for all of these European countries? You know, it's been adapted okay. in France and 
Spain and Greece, the, even Russia did their own version of Doc Martin. So that story of the grumpy doctor uh, who doesn't like his patient clearly hit a nerve because everyone around the world wanted to make their own version of that. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just just a wonderful um, it's a wonderful storyline, and it, it obviously travels well. Um, look, that's nearly it for this week. That wraps us up. A um, couple of things I wanted to finish on. You mentioned the block earlier. It's a um, couple of days after we record this that auctions finally go to air. Be a lot of interest this year for people to see. Look, these aren't just suburban houses. Yeah, the first time we've gone out into the countryside. We've got um, sort of heritage properties mixed with the contemporary wings that, which have been added to them um, on 10-acre blocks. So it's going to be a really fascinating. I, I, I think it might be a catch a wider variety of people interested in purchasing these places because I think some of the other seasons I've wondered about, oh, are those properties really worth that much? Because they've they've all gone for a lot of money. This year, for your money, you do get a lot of house and a lot of land. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they go. And um, it's always, for me, it's always the best episode of the season that it's the payoff, really, for viewers that have gone all the way. This is the one you get to see the, the money changing hands, the cash register rings and how much each contestant walks away with. Of course, not a great time to be selling a house in Australia, though, <laughs> with uh, interest rates on the rise. Yeah. I noticed recently that the New Zealand version of the block, they just recorded their lowest ever house sales uh, uh, yeah. with theirs. But, you know, these are much bigger properties. Uh, I'm sure they'll be up there in the millions, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not they, uh, they reach their reserves. But, you know, when you've got, a real estate ad virtually running on TV for months in the lead up. It, it doesn't get much better than that. If you're wanting that house, uh, you've seen it in all its warts and all glory, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You've got the spare cash lying around. For sure. For sure. And one a quick thing, um, there's a there's a movie coming out the day after we record this, November 3, but I think it's only screening for two days Then I expect it to go to On Demand but they're obviously not telling us where it might live yet because they want people to go and see it in the cinema. But right. this is a Hollywood high live in Los Angeles with Duran Duran. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I've got a bit of a history with Duran Duran So I had a past in teenage magazines way back in the 80s and Duran Duran were the business, you know. They, um, yeah. they were so popular. Um I've sold it when I was working in retail. We sold a lot of magazines. Um, we're, we're cashing in on Duran Duran. Then I published a lot of magazines. It did very well out of Duran Duran. They were good to us. They helped promote our magazine in return for us helping promote the band. I think they've always managed to keep a certain cachet. They've never really sold out. They've always, I mean, their their original 80s material is is quite classic. You know, it's True. Still, it's it's lasted very well. Yep. Some of their recent material has stood out too. I mean, it's hard for a lot of bands to sort of release new material that resonates with an audience as much as their original stuff did. Look, not all the new Duran stuff's been great, but there's a couple of songs that have really stood out for me. So I'm just fascinated to to, to watch this. 
will I go and see it at the cinema? Mm, maybe I'm not that motivated, but I'll definitely watch it if it comes up on a streaming platform. Well, that sounds fun. I've got a. I'm keeping my eye out for Blockbuster, a new sitcom set in a video store of the same yes. name, which is about yes. to drop on Netflix. And also, uh, the Harry Styles fans are pretty excited. His movie, My Policeman, is finally about to drop on Amazon Prime. This is the one where he uh, plays a closeted gay policeman. Uh, so. The fans are very excited about that. So, yeah, still lots and lots of stuff to watch, even though we're winding down for the year. Yeah, yeah, no, there is. There's absolutely lots going on. All righty, look, let's wind it up for this week, Andrew. Always great to catch up with you and um, get your rec- TV recommendations. You can read Andrew every Friday in the Media Week Morning Report and at mediaweek.com.au. Recording this a little bit earlier in the week, have you got much of a preview of what you write about this week, Andrew? Uh, yeah, look, I'll go into some more detail about uh, my mum, your dad, and... Uh, and yeah, I think uh, I think I'll probably I think I might write some more about Pamela Anderson too. I was I was really impressed by just how nice and gentle that was. It was sweet. Yep, well, fantastic stuff. Okay, I look recommend this podcast to your friends. Please like us or follow us on your favourite podcast platform, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.